Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I'm your host today, current New Jersey Devils defenseman, Connor Carrick. I guess somewhere between New Jersey, uh, Binghamton, and Taxi Squad. It's not totally relevant, I think, if you're a fan of this podcast, um, where I'm exactly playing. I don't know, maybe it's the reason you started listening to this podcast, but I hope the reason uh, you continue to week in, week out is because of the content uh, and some of the information with our incredible guests. One of my best friends is on the podcast today. One of the influences really behind this podcast, someone that's believed in me uh, from our time together as teammates as, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and really a model in terms of professionalism. Uh, he's just a well-rounded person. He's beyond likable. He's probably the best looking guy I've ever played with. Matt Martin, he is best known uh, as a fourth line sort of tough guy, but if you blink and, and don't pay attention to the stats, He's got over 700 games playing with another four-year ticket signed with the New York uh, with the New York Islanders. He's got a strong possibility to play over a thousand games. So we talk about a lot of change and, and turnover in the depths of NHL lineups. How Matt Martin's been able to stay here uh, and, and stay where he's been able to be uh, for so long in his career. And from wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us. Let's do this. Matt Martin, what's good, Doug? Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. Yeah, thanks for finally having me. It's been a while. I, well, I wanted to make sure you'd say yes. That's why I made sure I, I waited to ask you, you know, because sometimes um, you, you can kind of create that tension if you just wait it out a little bit. But I, uh, I'm i excited to have you on. I, I, I was telling you off the air that you're someone that every single member of my friends and family. I don't know whether it's because of how good looking you are or how hard you play the game. There's this like endearment with Matt Martin uh, that everyone asks how you were as a teammate. And I, I love this. Uh, I just thought of it. I meant to write it down. Uh, when we were in Toronto, we had just lost to Washington at home. And my brother, for whatever reason, uh, my brother Blake was coming to visit. And still it's to this day, one of our, I don't know, more humorous or, or more memorable memories together where uh, because we exited, he was just kind of, kind of, he was old enough. He was going to go out with us in Toronto. And so it's like all the, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, star studded team, uh, you know, in the biggest market, you know, uh, in North America for hockey. And, uh, you know, my brother's out at that, this bar with us and like you and Brian Boyle, you know, two mountains of men are just building up my younger brother, telling him how good looking he is, how fucking cool he is. Uh, and my brother's got this like real boyish grin going all night and he was just floating for days. And I remember thinking, you know, cause Blake was kind of nervous. He's like, I don't know if I really want to go out with you guys. Like it's your team event. You know, you guys just lost, you went through a long season together. And I'm like, nah, man, come on. Like it's a good group. Uh, they'll love you. And, and you made him feel so welcome and it sounds like something small, but you know, you've always had a knack for, I don't know, man, you're just a nice fucking guy. I don't know how yeah. else to put it. Well, I think you're, first, you're a phony on the ice. That's what I'm getting <laughs> at. Well, I think first of all, I mean, one Blake, he's basically a Jonas brother when this guy walks in a room. God, I mean, he's good look. Between, he, between him and you and the Brad Pitt lookalike. He's, like, he's got the whole thing going on. So we I, I can appreciate his style and his swag. But um, in terms of, of, you know, just trying to be, you know, good teammate, good person, good I, I remember when I came in the league and, um, you know, the, the first training camp, how nervous I was. I had guys like Doug Waite making me comfortable, Bill Guerin making me comfortable. I remember the first time I was called up um, to play my first game. Um, I went to dinner with a few of the guys and we went to Capitol Grill, not far from from the arena. And Kyle Ocboso picked up the tab for me for dinner. And these are things that you just remember. Um, yeah. that guys take care of you. And, and I think that kind of set the stage for me to be like, you know, I, I, I want to be that way when, um, if, and when I'm established and I'm a regular and, um, those little things, like you said, little, little things and, and really go a long way and, uh, making guys feel comfortable. And then, um, your teammates, family is basically your family, you know, your, your, your locker room is, is. Uh, as important as anything. And when people have family and friends in town, I think, uh, you know, it's important to make, make people feel welcome and uh, 
I make sure they have a great time because, um, you know, it should be an experience and the father's trips and all these things, uh, you know, everybody should have a good time. They should enjoy one, watching their kids or their, their siblings play. And two, they should be able to have memories from meeting some of the guys. And, um, like I said, I, I just think that's some of the most important stuff. And, and, um, that's the stuff people remember. Well, I guess I want to thank you for that because, you know, we were playing together in Toronto, which, you know, was, uh, had some ups and downs in, in your career. I know it did in mine. Um, you had this awesome, you're always professional. Like there was, uh, you know, Lou Lamarillo used to have this saying about being like a duck, right? Like, uh, above water, cool, calm, collected below water, you know, padding like a bastard to, to stay afloat. And that, that was a little bit of what we were going through. And you had a knack for maintaining this relationship with having fun at the rink, uh, while dialing it in this professionalism, you know, you'll be yakking it up with a guy after the whistle and then telling him if he runs your teammate like that again, you're going to remove his teeth uh, the next shift. And how is, like, is that just a, a part of your personality? Was that something with the way you were raised? Or was it really just the veterans, uh, like you said, when you were younger in your career, that, that taught you this way? Well, I think, one, um, that's I'm a little bit of a blend of my mom and dad. My dad's the, you know, kick people teeth in type, and my mom's talk to anybody type. So uh, I think I'm the perfect mix of them. But, um, no, more than anything, you go out there, you, you want as a teammate, you want to enjoy your job. You understand that not every day in the NHL is is roses. Uh, we're very blessed and privileged to do what we do for a living, but uh, we still have our, our challenges and our bad days and our struggles, uh, just like anybody else. So um, you want to bring a sense of joy uh, to the room as much as possible. Um, it doesn't matter if you're on a bad team or, or if you're on a good team. You know, some days you wake up and things aren't going well for the group or, or whatever, and you just got to come in and, um, you know, try to keep that positivity and keep that energy because an 82 game schedule at some point in time is going to be grueling and exhausting. And, um, like I said, going to have that, that adversity that you're going to have to deal with. And I think you learn these things as you, uh, you know, continue on your NHL jersey. I think I used to carry, uh, you know, good games and bad games, the highs and lows a little more when I was younger. Now you just try to, you know, keep it even keeled and, um, you know, take the good with the bad and understand that uh, it's the body of work over the course of 82 two games, or in this case, this season, 56 games and roll with the punches and, uh, you know, enjoy it as much as possible. Yeah. I remember when I was a, I was in Washington after my first year of training. Uh, Lexi um, had a job. So we decided to stay in D.C. most of the summer. And John Carlson stayed around a bunch. Uh, Troy Brower. I was always kind of their tag-along force at these fancy golf clubs that they would get invited to. And I, I just felt like the cat's meow. I couldn't wait. And uh, I'll never forget, Braden Holtby was training. And, you know, as a kid, like going to the gym and I was still a kid. I was, I was 19, turn, you know, turning 20. You kind of, you, you grab your coffee in the morning, you put your pump up music on the way to the rink and you're kind of like getting in the zone, right? Like you're, you're hyping up. Well, when you're around like NHL veterans, there's just this sort of ho-hum. This is, this is just our job. This is just what we do. And I remember we were doing, uh, it was like a general preparation phase. So, we, you know, the fatigue level was pretty high in a lot of the uh, workouts they were like, you know, circuit style, high heart rate, um, you know, with like time rest style workouts and Braden Holpe, I'll never forget. He had like a 20 ounce venti, uh, Starbucks coffee and we'd be, you know, doing uh, squat jumps. So your heart rate was like a buck 90. And then as soon as the set was over, he'd like go over, <laughs> take a sip of his coffee. Like he was on a, on a Sunday stroll. And I was just like, this isn't like some big thing he has to get up for. Like he just does it. And it wasn't to say he wasn't engaged. Like he was working like a dog, you know, in, in the set. But I just remembered like this, this very clear distinction, like, Oh, this is really just no big deal for these guys. And I'm like, I got to get to that point. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I have a similar story. It was a uh, first playoff series. First time the Islanders made the playoffs. Uh, I was in the shortened season. Uh, we were playing the Pittsburgh Penguins who, you know, just, uh, I don't know if they won the year before, but they had recently won the cup and we're a young team and we're hungry for the playoffs. And 
we come out first game and get whacked because we are so pumped. You know, you're, you're running around, you're trying to crush guys. You're trying to, uh, I don't remember the score of the game, but it was like four or five, nothing early. And the game was over and you look back at it and you're like, this is the same game that we played. We played this team all year. We know how to beat this team. We at least know how to be competitive against this team. Um, we hyped ourselves out of this contest. So the emotion in the buildings more, right? The, the, the crowds engage more. Everyone's given a little extra on the back check. Everybody's laying their body out, blocking shots. Everybody's finishing their check. But at the same time, the game is the exact same. And you, you kind of learn that you have to just keep your mind and, and uh, control uh, your emotions at all times and control the energy. And, and uh, we, we understand what we got to do on the ice and we understand what we got to do in life. And, and um, once again, it's about controlling the highs and lows and the emotions of it all. Because if you let that get out of control, uh, a veteran team like the Penguins is going to take advantage of you and take advantage of you quickly, uh, which they did in game one. Yeah, you'll come flying three deep on the forecheck. They'll high flip it for a two on one. Bang, it's in your net, and and you're trying to you know come down from the Red Bull you had before the shift, and they're <laughs> you know cleaning their st- exactly. they're, they're cleaning the snow off their stick on the bench plus one. Exactly, that's the experience. Uh, as you know, they, they have those. Ex- they had that experience in in deep playoff runs that we didn't have the time. And um, you know, as much as they were a great hockey team, uh, we just uh, in a lot of ways just. Whereas we're expecting the game to be something other than it was because all you ever hear about is playoff hockey, right? And how the intensity ramps up and everything ramps up. And uh, at the end of the day, it's the exact same game. There's just a little bit more on the line. And, uh, and as I get older, it's true. I think you just realize that you know, the team that really keeps their composure and stays within themselves the most is going to give themselves the best chance to win. I was watching... Uh... And we're bouncing around a little bit. We'll we'll get back to the beginning of your career because I want to know more about that. Uh, but I was watching the uh, Canada-U.S. World Junior Game, which had unreal talent on both sides. Just some some seriously sick players that are going to be, you know, really high-end NHLers. And, but the puck looked like a Super Bowl the first eight, nine minutes. And uh, there was a, a kid by the name of, uh, I won't, his first name's Ian. I won't say his last name, I guess, but he was, he just happened to reach out to me, he trains around the Chicago area. And, you know, not that I'm, you know, hockey Gandhi and have all the answers, but you know, I'm a little bit older than him and, you know, have some NHL games on the kid. He's, he's at, he's at Shattuck. And he asked me, he's like, man, I'm, I'm just not necessarily performing, uh, the way I want. And I, and I feel worked up out there. And I asked him, I, I said, did you watch, you know, Canada, US? I was like, yeah how nasty were those guys' hands in the round robin and, and how crisp were their, was their puck play? He's like, yeah, they were disgusting. And I said, how come in the first nine minutes it looked like they were playing with a tennis ball? And I just said, like, your body can be nervous. That's fine. Like, you're, you'll get all the extra juice and all, you'll be jacked up for your hit. I was like, but your eyes and your hands have like, they've got to come down, man. You've got to, you've got to chill. And I, and I wasn't always like this in my career, but, you know, we both played with the legend, you know, Ron Hainsey. Ron Hainsey was classic. He's the most like chill he, guy of all time, right? I mean, Ron Hainsey wasn't going to win the Norris in terms of, you know, point production, but like game seven against Boston, Boston just scored, you know, uh, leaves Boston. They dump a puck in his corner. He doesn't care. He's going to backhand middle pop it uh, and send us in on a three on two. Like, you know, like it's any Tuesday, like it's game 45, the regular season. And so much of that was because of how he was. And I was trying to explain that to this young player. I was like, Listen, I'm not saying your warm up and all that isn't important and getting your body ready, but like mentally, you got to get to a place of composure. Uh, Ron Hainsey would hide away, you know, in the hot tub room and read the paper uh, for two hours. And then he'd go out, you know, and play 36 minutes. And there's something to be learned from that. Yeah. And that's Ron's a great example. Right? He's been around forever. He's made that played forever. He's made that backhand wall play to the middle 10,000 plus times in his career. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's game seven or it's game one or it's a preseason game, it's still the play and it's the right play and it's the play to make in that moment, right? So yeah. it's once again, it's all about keeping your head. And I mean, Ron seems like he probably came in the league and was just no problem. I'll make that play all day. Some yeah. of us, it takes a little longer to learn that as well. And, um, you know, you got to 
go through those highs and lows of uh, emotion and, um, you know, get some experience at the playoff level and um, in those in those big moments, our uh, world juniors, um, all those big moments to kind of grasp that a little bit and understand that the play to be made is the play to be made regardless of the situation or the uh, point in the season or uh, magnitude of the game. Some guys just have that ability to block everything else out. So take me through some of the scenarios, you know, so you're a fifth round pick like me. I went 137. You went what? 140. I wrote it down. I forgot. 48, I think. But I was my um, second year of eligibility. So I mean, I'm really a 12th rounder. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I actually forgot about that. I remember you talking about it in Sarnia and how many goals you scored without stammer or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so young Marty, big, physical, had an ability to score in junior like every other player that gets drafted. How do you end up becoming the regular in the Islanders lineup that you've been and, and have re-become, you know, now that uh, you're back there with your second stint? Like, what what were some of the trampoline moments in your career? Um, you know, let's say from the first 5, 10, 15 games all the way to, you know, the playoff series you've been a part of. I remember watching a lot of the Washington Cap. I don't remember which years, but the, the Capitals-Islanders series, those were wars. Um you know, where the fourth line, uh, yourself, Clutterbuck, and Sezikis were, you know, very, uh, your, your fingerprints were all over those series in terms of setting the, the pace and, and the, the bite. Help me, uh, help me remember some of those big moments in your career that led to some of the growth. Cause, cause there is, you can't fake it. This, there's this composure, you know, Matt Martin has after 715 games, whatever you're at now, um, you know, that maybe you had some of it, it was in you before, but it's, it's really been trained. Yeah, so I I think the biggest conversation, the most important one I ever had uh, was actually with my dad. So I wasn't drafted by Sarnia. I was a walk-on. Um, and I remember going to training camp. They had just drafted Steven Stamkos first overall. Uh, he got invited to training camp, summer. Oh, I, I don't even know what they called it, like summer camp, mini camp, whatever it was. And uh, we had scrimmages. We had things. I got invited back to main camp. And I remember the conversation with my, so when I was younger, I was a scorer playmaker and like, I wasn't physical really. I just, you know, it's best player on my team. Like I just went out there and, you know, tried to put the puck in uh, the net uh, every single shift. Like that's all I worried about. Right. Which yeah. you should as a kid anyway. But um, I remember, you know, my dad talking to me being like, listen, you know, obviously you want this, you want to be an NHL or you want to, you know, play in the OHL this point you want to play in the ohl you know they just drafted steven samco's first overall you're gonna have to bring something to the table that they need um you know he, he my dad was never one to tell me to go fight he he you know he i, I don't want to say he doesn't like it but he he was never like you know go out there and just drop your gloves just to drop your gloves he likes the physicality and yeah. uh the you know the way i've played the game over the last 11 years um and, you know, he was just kind of like, you know, you, you're going to have to bring something that they need because they don't need you to stand uh, on the half wall and take slap shots because they just drafted a guy first overall. That's going to do that pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, I came into that training camp and I was physical and I was, you know, hitting everything. And, uh, you know, guys ended up coming after me to, to fight because I was running around the whole camp. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, I was able to make the team that way. And, uh, didn't play much my first year. And then, um, one of my teammates, actually my second season, uh, one of my teammates took like a 10 game suspension to start the year, uh, because he came off the bench, um, got into a fight and it's old school. Joe. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> not that he was in the wrong to come. I think all hell broke loose and he came off the bench to protect somebody or whatever, but he got suspended for 10 games, which, uh, gave me the opportunity to move up. So I, I played uh, net front on the power play to start the season, um, scored two goals my first game, and then it just kind of took off from there and uh, kind of had my spot in the lineup as a regular from there and eventually played with Stamkos, uh, you know, at least the second half of the season. I don't remember exactly when, but uh, finished the year on his line. Uh, we won a playoff series and, um, 
know, it was a pretty big year, pretty big moment for me. And then Stammer went to the NHL. I came back to Sarnia, became captain, uh, had another big year. That was the story that second year was the year I got drafted by the Islanders. Um, along with two of my other teammates, uh, Mark Caddick and Justin DiBenedetto. Um, it was a pretty, you know, pretty special year. And then um, from there, I just kind of established myself as that, you know, power forward type player willing to fight, willing to stick up for my teammates, playing that grinding game. Um, when I came to the NHL, you know, I um, you got to adapt, right? you want to be a regular in this league, you got to be able to fill in roles once, once again. So in junior, I scored, you know, 35 goals and had 150 penalty minutes, first line power play, stay out there for two minutes, do whatever I wanted. Right. Um, and then, you know, to become a regular in the NHL, it's like, this is what we need. This is what we need on our team. Uh, we need, you know, bottom six depth players, guys who, you know, can do it regularly, be physical, stick up for teammates, that time I was fighting, you know, 15 times a year. It's obviously the game's changed a lot since when I started. Um, but you know, the biggest turning point I think in my career and, uh, was when, um, clutter got traded here and, uh, me and case we were playing together for a while. Uh, but we just instantly had, a, a click once they put the three of us together. And since then it's kind of, you know, other than my stint in Toronto, those have been my line mates for, I don't know, eight, seven, the last seven years. Um, so well, we got good familiarity with each other. We all want to play the game the same way. Um, we're not necessarily concerned about, uh, you know, scoring every game. We, we, we have a great role, especially with uh, Trotsy here. Uh, the way he uses us, we can go out there and do our job effectively. And, uh, you know, it's been, been great and a lot of fun and, uh, just hoping to keep it going. When you said something there, you know, obviously the game's changed. And if you want to play as long as you have, the only thing that you can know for certain about the game is that it will change, right? Like the game is so different than it was when I came in the league, even more so than when you came in the league, what are some particular skill set? items that you've been able to add over the years on purpose, like things that you have really uh, worked on uh, to continue to evolve from, because you couldn't just be this uh, power forward, hit guys, fight guys like you, that used to justify a role. This is all this guy does. But now with analytics and it's such a possession game, like you clutter and Zizekas, me and clutter on a nickname basis. Now that uh, we both experienced your wedding together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you guys are able to maintain zone time. You guys are able to stay in the offensive zone. We're going to create a cycle, create all these offensive opportunities uh, still, despite, you know, all of you kind of coming from, let's say, nastier backgrounds, you know, younger in your career. Uh, are there any particular skill set items that you've, you know, consciously gone and worked on, um, whether it could be, you know, net front technique, uh, let's call it wall play. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm trying to lead you down the road. I think you're going to go. I've think, seen it. I think the biggest one is one. I've always worked on my skating, and yeah. um, you know, to start my career, I was two hundred and five pounds, and I worked my way up to two hundred and twenty-five pounds because everyone was big and strong and bigger than me, and wanted to fight me and felt like you needed to get bigger. And then as soon as I hit that 223 pound mark, it just went smaller in a heartbeat and I had to work my way back down. And now uh, I'm lighter than I was. Uh, I feel a lot better um, in, in terms of the way the game's played now. Uh, you have to be able to move um, basically your entire shift. There's no hooking and holding and grabbing. No. And, you know, you got to move your feet and you got to be able to get on top of people. And, um, but I think the biggest thing other than the, you know, the typical, yeah, I work on my skating, I work on my shooting, I work on, is wall plays. Um, I think that is, you know, such a pivotal, important part of the game as a winger um, to be able to, you know, make tight area plays, make plays in the middle, make sure you get pucks out when there's nothing available, um, getting into the defensemen so they can't jump by you. Um, I spent, um, along with my teammates, we spent a lot of time working on that stuff on the daily and it seems so small. Uh, but you know, that creates not only, um, you know, scoring chances, but, um, you know, 
I, I work with, uh, Adam Oates who, um, yeah. you know, puts a lot of this stuff together for me. And he's like, you know, the amount of plays that you make now on the wall, um, is really, really impressive. And you just, you get a sense of composure, you get a sense of calmness. Um, it's like we're talking about Haynes, he goes back for a puck and it's, Hey, this one's to the middle. You start to feel because you do this so often in practice and in games, you start to feel what's going to be open and and you kind of go through your options and then you make the play uh, that's available. And yeah, we still mess up. Obviously there's other guys out there trying pretty hard too, but uh, the more comfortable you get in those tight area situations on the ice, the better you're going to look and the better you're going to play and the more time you're going to spend with the puck. Well, and so much of it is, when you are in the bottom six, let's say a third pair demon role, a big part of your job some nights is also just making sure nothing bad happens. And Absolutely. if your wall plays good, like they're not going to play in your end. If you've got your one touch and you make it, ex- you, know, you execute. Yeah. It might not lead to a two on one every time, but at a bare minimum, like Barry Trotz is putting on the ice. Marty, I need to know your line. Nothing bad's going to happen. I need to, that the, the, the word I'm getting at is trust. NHL coaches have a hard job. They're trying to win in a tight league. It's brutal to win every night. There's no easy games and they need players that they can trust. And, you know, you've been that, you know, for the Islanders for, you know, over a decade now. Yeah. It, that's the biggest thing is um, it's once again, about playing a role, right? Everybody's got their role. Some guys go out there every night and, you know, pay, play on the power play and are paid to put the puck in the net regularly. You know, and that's a lot of pressure. Like, I, I remember one of the first, you know, I because I thought I was this right, and and just to give some context, we used uh, his name uh, earlier, Ron Hainsey, and I don't know if he's comfortable me sharing with this because he's a pretty private guy, but hopefully, he doesn't come after me. He he told me about this cool story where I think it was uh, Hitchcock he played for earlier in his career and just told him, like, Ron, you're a first round pick. Um, you can be a really elite offensive demon at the American League level or you can really learn to defend and play forever because, you know, you're big, you're long, you've got great reach, you skate great, uh, and you do have all those offensive plays to break out. Uh, it's up to you. And I, I remember having a similar moment. You know, I'm in a, in a tough spot in my career, you know, ice time-wise and things like that. It's no secret. And I'm doing the same reflection where I remember earlier in my career, I was an offensive guy. You know, I'd be in the minors. It'd be me against, you know, Shane Gossespear. And he's been able to go up and, and play with Philly, who did who had a, a hole on the on the power play quarterback, you know, side. Um, you know, I was in Washington's system where they had John Carlson and Mike Green, you know. So, so he had a little bit different of a path. And, and I remember, like, sort of a second strike against, you know, Connor, you might have to do more to continue to stay in this league uh, was when I played with Matthews. I was like, I, I thought I was an offensive player. I thought I was a power play guy. You know, I thought I could do what, you know, Chris Letang could do. And then I'm watching this guy. I'm like, oh my, this is the quality of player that the power NHL power players are going to revolve around. You know, you see with Matt yeah. Barzell, like these guys are, this next generation is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they got all the talent in the world, right? And uh, these are things they've worked on. But, you know, it's just, and everybody wants to score, you know? Yeah. Like, there's no question. Everybody wants to go out there and score, but you know, not everybody goes out there on the power play. So you got to be able to do something that your team needs to be able to trust you to do. And you need to go out there regularly and be reliable, right? So I, I remember when we played Pittsburgh uh, two years. Yeah, not the bubble season, the, the one before. So yep. <laughs> however long ago that was. Yeah, yeah, 10 um, years ago. Yeah. Um, we played Pittsburgh in the first round. We won the series. Um, we, as a line, we finished minus two with zero points. And but we were matched up against Crosby's line for pretty well the entire series. Yeah. So we're in there after the hey, great series, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, you I think, won the series. Period. Held yeah. them off the score sheet. Yeah, like we're not concerned. And either in fairness was our, our um, coaching staff about, you know, our statistics in that series because we went out there, we did a good job. Uh, we c- contained their top guy or top guys. And uh, at the end of the day, we won the series. So uh, there's guys that, you know, get paid to produce regularly, which is not an easy job. 
absolutely not the easiest job in the world to be relied upon to, to score every night. Um, they, they get paid accordingly, obviously, but, um, and then there's guys that got to go out there and, um, shut other teams down, um, play that aggressive game. Uh, you know, for you, break pucks out, make that yeah. first pass might not relate to, you know, 30, 40 point seasons, but they're trusting you to do that regularly. And, um, being adaptable and being able to adjust your style of game is really important because I've seen guys who, uh, you know, they were better offensive players than me. Definitely off better uh, that I played with in the NHL that uh, couldn't play a bottom six role in the NHL. And they weren't quite, you know, top six in the NHL. It's tough. It's, it's brutally difficult. I mean, you've seen guys to be top well, six in the right? NHL. That's just... They're, they get stuck where they don't want to change their game. They don't want to adapt. They want to be this, what, whatever. But there's only so much room for that. And you need a blend of everything throughout your lineup. So uh, at least I believe that to, to win um, in this league. And um, I mean, you see it every year. Teams, you know, teams that win usually have a, a pretty good blend throughout their lineup of style of play and have lines that can shut down, um, have lines that can produce offensively and, and really be able to, um, you know, adjust to any sort of game that they need to play, especially come playoff time. So I was around Barry Trotz a little bit uh, with Washington. I think I played like three games for him was called up for probably a month over the course of, of two years. But, you know, we had training camps and I was always extremely impressed with his professionalism, the level of detail, the way his practices were structured and how they carried over in the game concepts. He had this great pulse on, you know, he didn't baby pros, uh, you know, c- certain coaches, you know, are, are kind of nervous of, of practice, right? Just because the NHL schedule is as brutal as it is. And, and it is a, a league where you're really leaning on your top guys to play heavy minutes. Uh, but he kind of still demanded a lot in practice. Like he's had success with Nashville, you know, similar teams, maybe the Islanders grinding type teams, very type checking. Uh, changed a little bit when he went to Washington, brought in, you know, some of that tightness defensively, but, it, you know, the Washington Capitals are built how they are. It's going to be a little bit more of an open game. You know, they have some, some you know, superstar talent that not every team has, but in your eyes, what makes him such a good coach? Because you've spent a lot more time with them. Um, I've always spoken highly about him uh, to people that have asked me, but you know, I kind of didn't get the, the full experience that you've had. Yeah, I think one, he's accountable. And when he says he's going to hold you accountable it's everybody's held accountable you know it's not like oh you can't do this but you can and uh, you know you, you don't do it the right way you're not gonna play at the end you're gonna hear about it yeah and uh you know you've obviously been with lou uh yep, so i think they're they're similar people um but i'll remember when i first got traded back to the islanders um i had a call with trotzi and he told me listen you're going to be with Casey and Clutter. I want to reunite that line. This is your role. This is what you need. Like, I need you to do. You know, just fighting isn't a role anymore. Like, this is what I need. So I went into that offseason knowing, like, this is how I'm going to be used. This is what, you know, I got to work on. This is how I got to be effective. Because at this point, I mean, I saw these scratched. I don't know, close to half the season in Toronto the year before. No, this is time to get my, this is probably my shot to get my career back on track because. Yeah. It, the, these make or break moments don't, they yeah, don't I last mean, I'm, long. I'm 29, like, yeah. 29 or 30, whatever I was, 29 years old. You know, this isn't the beginning of my career. This could be the end. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I put a lot of focus on, you know, getting really good inside of that role and uh, obviously felt very comfortable with Casey and Clutter going back into that. I, I don't think it could have worked out any better for me. Uh, I'm very you know, blessed and fortunate to end up back here where I've already had success with the two guys I had success with. Uh, can't say that happens often. Um, so, you know, that's pretty, pretty uh, lucky and, and fortunate. Um, but, you know, just put, a lot of emphasis on you know, playing the right way for or the way that Trotsy wanted us to play. Um, 
And when you, know, you say, when you say play the right way, like I have certain sort of words and, and phrases I'll use to myself to kind of remind me of, okay, this is when Connor Carrick's at his best. These are the things he's doing. Like, do you have any particular, uh, Wayne Simmons had a great one. Uh, I was on Twitter and I saw it. I don't know. I don't, I hope it's true. Saw it on Twitter. I saw it on the internet. It's gotta be true. Um, he said his whole, his whole game plan was initiate, never retaliate, yeah. be the one to go first. Uh, and I was like, you know, that, yeah, that explains Simmer. You know, he he wants to set the tone first. He wants to throw the first punch. He wants to hit first. Uh, he's not going to wait around and see how the game goes and toe dip and and see how um, see what he can bring. You know, are there any sort of words and, and certain guys write it on their stick? Other guys just kind of say it to themselves. Are there any key feelings or words that you want to bring to to the NHL night in night out? Oh, really? I would say that we, similar to what Similar said, we want to initiate. We want to bring the energy and we want to uh, set the tone every single night. And Trotsy uses us uh, in that role. We start a lot of games and he relies us on us to go. You know, there's a huge sense of disappointment when we start a game and get scored on. Like first minute, oh. right? Because it's like, you know. Not every team starts their their fourth line, right? Yeah. Most teams start their their big dogs every, and he trusts us to go out there and get the job done, right? And play in their end for a minute, and then get off, and like the boys are rolling, and like everyone feels good. And so when we get scored on first shift, it's like you almost don't even want to look at him at the bench, right? Because has he, like, has he ever pulled you aside and and smacked you around for that? Like what, no, what would he say? No, he never does, but. um it's just not a good feeling, right? Because yeah. the coach has put a lot of trust in you um, to to get the get the game going, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's not it's just not a good feeling. But uh, the one thing I would say, Trotsy and the staffs brought to us more than anything is, um, and this probably is because of his experience and um, his pedigree is the composure. You know. Um, I had, uh, you know, we, we were a young team when I first was with the Islanders and we would yell and scream at the refs, um, you know, slam the gate when you had a bad shift or got scored on, uh, you know, F-bombs flying everywhere, swearing, you know, crazy amounts of, of emotion, right? Yeah. Now it's like, you'll, if you, you yell at the ref, he'll tell, he'll tell you to shut the hell up. You know, if you slam the gate, like you don't do it. You just keep your head on your shoulders. The game's 60 minutes long, maybe 65 minutes long. You stay the course, you go out there and you play the right way. And when I say the right way, you play detailed hockey to our system, to our structure, the way we're supposed to go out there and play. And you, you stay the course every single night and you don't, you know, start swearing at each other, swearing at the refs, slamming gates, slamming everything, because uh, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help you yeah, win. It's not competitive. It's not, that's not intensity. No, a lot of times it's right. Like it's, when you look back at that stuff, it's almost a little showy, right? Like you're trying to like, yeah. like show that you're p- more pissed off than maybe you are. And now we've just got this sense of like, I don't know. You go into games very confident, whether you're you're winning or you're losing. You know, go down one nothing early. You know, this if we get to our game and we play the way we're capable of, we have a chance to win every single night. And that's the mindset now. And that's like, you know, it's not about like getting frustrated, and it's not about because it's not going to be perfect every night. And there's pretty good players on the other side too that are going to have pushes. Yeah. And you just go out there and, and you do it your best of your ability. If you go out there and give it your all and play to the best of your ability, he'll live with the result. It's when you go out there and you know, try to do it your own way or whatever, then you know, you're going to hear about it. In terms of, I mean, with you, uh, Casey and Clutter, you guys have played together a long time. And I'm sure anytime a line sticks together for that amount of time, you're going to be dragged through the mud and the highs and lows of each other's game. Right. Um, what does accountability look like on that line? Have you guys ever had, you know, FU matches, uh, you know, have what hard conversations have you guys had over the course of the years? Yeah, there's definitely some like 
amongst each other there's a little bit of that you know um but we're the closest of friends at the same time so it's like yeah. you're fighting with uh, your brothers you now or me fighting with my brother like it's just we've definitely had our moments and and half the time you know half the time we're kidding too like like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Casey, casey's mad that he you know has lost three face-offs in a row he comes to the bench shaking his head switching sticks breaking sticks you know and he's like Gee, you've never been that good at draws, bro. Don't, don't work, bro. <laughs> Shake it. We'll get the puck back. Like, it's listen, more, it's more work for me, but I don't mind. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of that, and uh, you know they're both prideful guys. Um, I'm a prideful guy, and uh, we want to go out there and and do our job um, effectively and the way that we're expected to every night. And uh, I'll say it again, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. So. Uh, you know, there's definitely some moments that get a little bit like, you know, I'm wide open, like I'm right here. Like, you know, you got to get that out. There's a little bit of that, but I would say more when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, and now we, you know, it's more like, hey, sorry, that's my bad. I mess all one up and you move on, you know. Uh, I would say that we're, we're far less emotional um, about every single play in a game uh, than we used to be for sure. I want to go back to a little bit of that year, you know, where you were, you were out of the lineup quite a bit in Toronto and how did you maintain that belief in yourself that you were going to be back? How did you, when you were in the in NHL lineup again, uh, full time, you know, how were you able to get back to your game as quickly as you did? Was there anything, was there any crisis of any sort? Was there any, you know, personal sort of, um, you know, inner conversation that you had to grind through to, to get through that? Well, I would say, I mean, it was definitely hard. Um, we're out a lot together at that time. So we had a lot of conversations, uh, you know, you go from being a regular for, uh, I don't know how many games it was at that point, you know, six over 500, maybe 600 games to all of a sudden, you know, not being in for however many straight, um, it was hard, but uh, I think this is where like family's so important, right? Yeah. You know, I, I got Sydney, uh, I got her family, I got my family, uh, who's who's been with me every single step of the way through a lot of ups and downs, you know, highs and lows, to um, not making AAA hockey at all through growing up. And my dad and mom always been like, "Listen, if this you work at this, you'll get there. It doesn't matter where you play." Uh, to not getting drafted to the OHL, to being a walk-on, to not getting drafted my first year elig- eligibility in the NHL, to going to the Islanders, to, you know, there there's a lot throughout this career that is a roller coaster. And, yeah. um, you know, without my, my parents and my brother and sister, you know, who, who knows when, I don't want to say I give up, but who knows where I get derailed to, right? Because they're the ones that keep you when you're a young, emotional kid. They're the ones that keep you, you know, make you believe that this is actually doable. Yeah. Um, because there's definitely moments where I'm like, you know, I'm never going to make it. Like, can't make it from a hockey. Uh, can't make it from junior C. Can't make it from, you know, the bleachers in Sarnia. Uh, you know, and, and they're the ones that, that kept that belief in me. And, um, and then when I got to the NHL, I met Sydney and then I had her family supporting me throughout as well, uh, throughout this whole Toronto scenario. So, um, you know, you never lose faith in yourself. Uh, you, you always, as soon as you lose faith in yourself, it's over. Right. Um, but at the same time, there, there's people in your life that, help you maintain that confidence and that um ability because they've seen you get through stuff before yeah which you know you, you don't realize you don't realize connor how much stuff you've overcome right because i was thinking that right when you said that you don't you don't understand that because like you're living it you don't you know you want more for yourself i want more for myself everybody wants more for themselves so they you know you don't think you've accomplished anything that's why most people say they look back on their career and they realize how much they've accomplished how much how great it was how because when you're living it you're always looking for more yeah right but you've overcome many hurdles in your life 
And so have I. And so it's everybody else in this league. Yeah, and I that's can think why of at least like five times, like I'm talking key moments since junior where I thought my entire career was over. Yeah. And like there's to, no to, way to, this, this is the, the circumstances are awful. Um, I am in a tough spot and you keep plugging. And when, well, when you're living it too, it's, it's hard to find the clarity, right? Yeah. It's it hard feels to so see real. Yeah. So like when, when people on the outside looking in, they can kind of be like, listen, you're okay. You know, your dad, your, your brothers, your, your mom, you know, who, everyone in your life that matters, Lex, you know, they, they've, they have a confidence in you too. Like they've seen you, especially your parents from a young age, overcome yeah. every obstacle that there was to get to this level. So when you're a little unsure yourself, they're like, you, you've done this, you can do it and you'll do it again, you know? Um, and I think that's why like family's just so, so important um, because they're really your support system, even in like a season like this year, right? Like having a kid, it's good. I mean, you, you just had a kid. It's the greatest thing in the world, right? Because yeah, like- I was just going to get to that. You, you start to realize like, okay, hockey is very important to us. Like it's what we bleed for, right? Yep. But once you have a kid, and especially in like COVID times, where if COVID came when I was 22, I would exhaust myself with a game of hockey because it's all I'd be thinking about. You know, I have a bad game, like you don't play again for two days. It'd be on my mind nonstop. And you exhaust yourself with that. And there's something like nice about like, you know, whether you win or lose the night before and like play good, something nice about like, getting out the next day and getting away from the game because you have like this, in my case, I have a beautiful daughter that I get to spend time with. Right. Yeah. And you get Charlie and it's just like, so with the stuff, you know, the highs and lows, but mainly the lows, um, some of the stuff you're going through right now. And I talked to you the other day, it's like, you know, I got Charlie at home and it's, it's great. You know, like it really, it really is. And I, I can't, Maybe it sounds a little woo, but like I was talking with a guy that I have, uh, you know, doing, I'm working with for, you know, in like a sports science realm, we're doing some like HRV testing a couple times a day. And he goes, you know, Connor, I don't know if you're noticing, he goes, but what your child has done for your nervous system, he goes, you look on paper, like a completely different person. He's like, it's been like your recovery, like you're sleeping less. It's like the stress of lineup decisions hasn't gone away. The stress of bag skating and working out, that's still the same. You know, it, it's kind of cool. You have these two worlds, right? Like your child doesn't care that you play hockey and hockey doesn't necessarily care that you had a child. They both have their requirements. You know, you can't go up to your coach and be like, hey, coach, I'm tired today. Uh, Charlie was up quite a bit last night. I'm going to take practice off today. Like what would Barry say to you? Like, <laughs> Marty, kick rocks, man. <laughs> like you can you can go play in the minors where they, you know, they only play on the weekends if you want. Um, and it really has been so calming. And there's just not a choice, right? Like when it, and you experience it with Winnie, like there's no choice. You, you'll do anything to make your child proud. And like, I know like life in the NHL is so public, like everything's decently documented, right? This isn't the, the, the seventies where there's, you know, phantom third assist cause there's no video and stuff like that. Like everything is documented, tweeted about Instagrammed about, uh, Charlie will know how I handled this. doesn't mean I don't have hard moments, but it's just non-negotiable. You, I have to answer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important. And I think, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, stress levels and all that stuff. It's, it's, I think it's so important to be able to turn off what you do for a living. And we, we, none of us want to call hockey work because I mean, that's, yeah. but like, it's our job, you know, we love what we do. Absolutely. But if you have that turned on 24 hours a day for a full season, it's going to beat you down. You got to be able to get away from it, right? Get away from the game uh, and spend time with your family, go to the movies, go eat dinner, like not worry about the fact that you just had a bad game 
because you're always going to get an opportunity to make up for a bad game. And when you have good games, you're always going to have an opportunity to screw it up again. So that's like, once again, as the, the longer you hang around, it's like, yeah, you know, this is the adversity we've gone through before. We've lost four three games before. Um, you know, we've been through tough stretches before and you learn how to handle them. And the less emotional you can get about these things, I think the, the better off you are in the big picture because you need to be able to just worry about what's next, right? Yeah. Like what's in front of you? Because you're not changing the fact that you were minus two the night before. You're not changing the fact that, you know, you had three turnovers, you know, be upset about it. Look at the, the tape and realize, you know, find out what you can do better. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't run from it, but you can't but run from it. Don't but bury yourself in guilt either. No, because it's the next game is now the most important game, right? This is why I've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have. Uh, you know, some days it, it, takes work but other days it's it's such a fuel source and i've been thinking about this a lot i had uh the ceo from trx at randy hattrick on you know who's a seal operative for 15 and a half years or whatever and then went to stanford business school and you ask him you know because as athletes we're obsessed with the seals the seals are obsessed with athletes right it's this love affair we have yeah uh, and all of us love musicians but that's besides the point and uh he's like you know, as SEALs, you know, how do you get through buds? How do you do this, this brutal, this brutal week that you know is going to be, it is going to be every bit as brutal as, as advertised, uh, by definition, like these, you know, sergeants are going to make it absolute hell. It is literally named hell week. <laughs> it is a week of hell. And, uh, he's like, honestly, the key was just getting to breakfast. Like if you're just worried about getting to breakfast, uh, or, and then, you know, when you're on your run, he goes, I would just do 10 meter runs. That's all I focused on was 10 meters. And you're thinking about like how small that bite he's making. And I've thought about it quite a bit. And if you can really go through a hockey season, NHL season, one single game at a time, you can do it. I, I, I always like to tell the story of, um, normally in an 82 game season, but after the 10 game mark, you've gone through a training camp. It's never easy, right? Training camp's always, uh, you know, physically demanding. And then you play your first 10 NHL games and you look around the room, like you would think to yourself, there's no way. There's no way these guys are going to play 72 more hockey games. Yeah. This room looks gassed. And then all of a sudden you're at the 40 mark and it's the same thing. You know, guys are beat up, guys are injured, broken ribs. You know, this guy's got, you know, a lace bite. Um, you know, this guy's coming back from surgery, but when you just keep on, keep it on, you've got a shot. Absolutely. It's once, yeah, you just focus on what's next all the time. Right. So you got to get your body ready for, you know, Tuesday night or Thursday night. And then after that, you get in the cold tub, whatever. You recover, and then you got to get your body ready for Saturday night. If you start worrying about the game in three weeks, it's you're probably not going to be good in all those games in between. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you just focus and worry about what you got to worry about. And that's really what's in front of you at all times. And I think that's – we get stuck sometimes just – you know, like you said, you look at the schedule, it's game 40, and you're like, man, we got 42 left here. Like – they go quick too. Yeah. They do. Especially when it's going well. They go quick. You know, there's so much joy in winning, right? Like, and I think that's because we all know what it feels like to lose. You know, so like winning's great, but it's the feeling of winning. You know, it's yeah. the wind song coming on in the locker room. It's like that, like you feel that, you know, it's yeah. an emotion that you feel like you want that all the time. Um, it's what we do this for the end of the day what's it been like uh being a dad to winning uh, still being a player in the league it's been unbelievable uh like i said it's, it's just i think you know you, it's especially in covid times it's given me such a like nice getaway from the game in, in a good way 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I get up in the morning and I spend my time with her and she's happy to see you all the time. Right. (laughs) She's, it's just got a smile on her face. Like, you know, I'll hear her saying data through the, the man in the morning. And it's like, I got her, you know, like it's just, it's such a great thing. Um, that everyone tells you it's a great thing. Everybody tells you, like, especially when they're like having a daughter is the best. Like, it is the best. Um, and there's no do, other way to describe it. Like, you words, really don't understand. Words it don't capture that energy. Yeah, they really fail us. Yeah, you just you, you never understand it. You, you don't understand it until you live it. And yeah, we're up earlier, and we're you know, I'm basically on her schedule twenty four seven, other than hockey, but. It's, it's the best, right? You wouldn't trade it. I mean, for anything. Yeah. It's the coolest, it's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. It's been incredible. I, I, I didn't imagine the freshness, you know, you come home and it's just, you're so refreshed and there's such a bookmark where anything that happened prior to is irrelevant. Uh, and anything that's going to happen is also relevant. You're just like totally jacked from, from that from two to three 30, I'm going to lay down on the couch and do some skin to skin and, and hang out and, Whoever needs me, if they need me, they'll call me and 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 get a hold of me. But I'm I'm setting up shop here for the bit. Yeah, you're basically checking out. You're basically shutting off the world, and you're just like I'm focusing. I'm focusing on Winnie. You're focusing on Charlie. Like this is what I'm doing for the next hour and a half till they go nap. Right? Like it's just when can we really say we've done that in our lives, where you turn off everything else and you just focus on that one thing. In this yeah, case, I, that one person. <laughs> that's it. I uh, I can't think of anything else like it. it. It is, you think about it from like an evolution standpoint, like the highest, the highest honor, the highest reward, carrying it on. Um, and these these women, Lexi's been an absolute warrior. Been really happy for her, proud of her. Um, not Not an easy gig being a mom. Not an easy gig at all. It's, I mean, you know, we look at it, it's different, right? We come home and we're like, okay, this is my chance to get away from the real world. Yeah. And we probably get home and they look at it like, here's my chance to go see the real world. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Oh, like, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, they, they put so much time in and they always have, they, they support what we do yeah. in our careers and the, the path that we want to go on. You know, they make a lot of sacrifices. Um, as our parents did and our families did. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy to, to be uh, married to us and the amount we're gone and um, all the crap that they got to deal with on a daily no basis. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, the whole birth thing, it's wild, man. Wild. Well, I felt bad about, I thought this was crazy. Uh, I was talking to my financial advisor, telling him about the birth story and I'm feeling all sorry for myself. I'm like, oh man, I, I missed Charlie's birth. I was in Buffalo and you know, I'm, I'm glad that Lexi went so quickly. It meant she didn't suffer, right? Cause that was the other option. She could have suffered for, you know, two straight days and, and grinded through this brutal labor and me been there the whole time. And that wouldn't have been fun either. And uh, he's like, oh, Connor, don't worry about it. I got a player that missed all three. Yeah. Missed all three of them. And it's just, I don't know. It's a cost to do a business in the NHL. Yeah. Once again, it's not easy uh, for that player to have missed it. Yeah. It's certainly not easy for the wife to have had to go through that without him there. And those, those are some, we live a good life. We live a really good life. Um, Very privileged to live this life. Uh, But there's certainly sacrifices still made uh, inside of this. that uh, those are, yeah. I'm. Let's put it this way: I'm very fortunate and happy to have been able to be there. Yeah. Uh, it was the coolest experience, um, coolest experience of my life. Like I thought it was awesome, and the way she handled it, she was a champ, and and just the whole thing was like so mind blowing. You know, I do. Uh, it's incredible really it is man it is i think that's a good place to wrap up marty i uh i appreciate you coming on man and all your support always you were a great mentor for me and and you know i want to tell you that 
you know, I know you made a conscious decision to want to treat young guys good uh, based on the way that you came in the league and you remember things like that. And, um, you know, the effect you've had on me and, and my leadership in a locker room and, and the way I've, you know, really, I don't know. I always thought uh, like two compliments in particular that always felt, uh, felt cheap up until, you know, really meeting someone like yourself was, uh, oh, that guy works hard. I was like, oh, that's just something they say about guys that aren't talented. <laughs> um, um, which is partly true. Yeah, but, know, I've heard you know, that one a lot in my career too. <laughs> you know, yeah, he works hard. That's, that's cause he's not talented. Um, you know, but you, you really do take it to heart that you want to be someone that remembered, uh, that's remembered as a teammate that gave it their all and being a great teammate. Uh, it was something that, you know, you lived it every day and I got to see it. Um, and now I get to practice it, uh, in your honor, even though we're not playing together. So I appreciate it. Um, I've always thought you're the fucking man. And uh, thanks for coming on, bro. Thanks for having me, big dog. Anytime. We'll see you soon. See you soon, buddy.